Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's webinar, Making Performance Management Really Work, hosted by HRDQU and presented by Kevin Eikenberry. My name is Sarah, and I'll moderate the webinar today. It will be about an hour, and if you have any questions, please type them into the chat box. Uh, also note that we have handouts that can be downloaded through GoToWebinar. It's in the Handouts tab in your dashboard. Uh, welcome, Kevin, and thank you for joining us today. Hey, I'm glad. I'm glad to be here. I'm happy to be with you to talk about one of my favorite topics. And one of my favorite topics is performance management. And you may say, wait a minute, no one thinks about that as a, a, as a popular topic. Like, in fact, most people don't like to think about performance management or those performance management meetings at all. But that's what we're here to talk about. So let's dive in and do it. Uh, so I really want you to start by thinking about why it is that you really came and you registered for this a day ago, a week ago, a month ago, two months ago, whatever. And you may be thinking about this for yourself as a leader. You may be thinking about this for your organization. But I'd like you to think for a second about why is it that you came? What would you really like to get from this session? So if you'll uh, just take a second to think about that. I'm just going to be quiet for just a moment and let you think about that question. All right, now I have another question for you, but this time I don't want you to be quiet. This time I want you to put your fingers on the keyboard and I want you to tell us your answers to this question. What are your biggest concerns with performance management, performance reviews, whatever words you want to use? What are the concerns that you have? What are the problems that you've experienced? Um, it may be related to the last question, but uh, just take a second and just quickly type in your answers to that. What are your biggest concerns or challenges with performance reviews, performance management, et cetera. Do that real quick, because I want to hear some of those things uh, before we move on. So take just a second to do that if you would for me, please. And Sarah, as you get them, if you would just, just share them, that will do two things. Now, I'll know, and two is it'll encourage other people to do it. Because with everybody that's here, no one wants to be the one to type, right? But you all have issues. And, the, and here's the thing. The more you tell me what they are, the better chance this webinar will meet your needs. So all uh, right. have you got any so far? Yep. Yep. They're coming in. Uh, we have ratings seem useless, finding or maintaining objective evaluation guidelines, uh, let's okay. see. Shelly says people don't like because they feel like they're being judged. Uh, if it, okay. it doesn't give you a full view of your performance, often okay. task related and not related to soft skills. Uh, Valerie All says right. the review is coming off as a reveal. Yeah, we have a ton oh, of, uh, so Valerie is saying it's a big surprise. I didn't know what was happening, right? I, 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 so Valerie, can you yep. type in, is that what you mean by when you say it's a big reveal? She said yes. Perfect. Okay. Um, I'm sure there are more of you that are coming in, uh, but I'm going to dive forward because I have a none of those really surprised me. Uh, I've got two more questions for you, though. Number one is what would you like performance reviews to accomplish? And again, whether you're here thinking about this organizationally, from an HR training perspective, or whether you're here as an individual leader who's doing these, what would you like them to accomplish? Well, what you'd like them to accomplish is that it helps people know where they're at and all those sorts of things, right? And my question is this, what is keeping you or stopping you from accomplishing those things? If you look at the list of things that you just said, well, and I'm paraphrasing a little, and I'm being a little bit cynical here, but the things that Sarah shared, uh, well, I don't like our ratings, well, you know, what are the guidelines? Well, people feel like they're being judged. All of these, all of, why can't you, yeah, you might have ratings, but why can't you still do what you need to do to not be, have it be a reveal and a big surprise and not for it to feel like judgment to the other person and not for it to feel like it's waste, a waste of time and effort. So I'm really stopping here and saying, I hear the concerns. I've heard them a hundred times. I'm encouraging you to stop just long enough to say, well, wait a minute. This doesn't have to be solved by senior management. There may be some parts of this that would be better if we change the rating scale or this or that or the next thing. But I can tell you, I've worked with organizations of all manner, of all size and of all industry. And every if you've got a rating system, someone doesn't like it. So just fixing that is not necessarily going to solve your problem. I'm suggesting take responsibility for what's yours and say, I can make this better. And this webinar can help you make it better, regardless of your form, regardless of your ratings, 
regardless of the guidelines, etc. Okay, so that's really my hope for you and in this time that we have together. So uh, that's what I'm saying. I want, you, I want you to talk about your role. And, and here are the barriers that I presupposed you might tell me. Number one, the form or the process. You mentioned that. The perception that people have about it. I'm being judged or, or this isn't of any value or it's only about the tasks and it's not about the whole job. Um, this doesn't fit with the culture or our culture doesn't really support this stuff very well. It's just something that has to be done because we're supposed to do it. Um, my past experience says this doesn't usually go very well, so I doubt it's gonna go very well this time. Uh, and there's just a whole bunch of stuff that are barriers. And again, my four bullets here sort of matched up with some of the things you said, although you were a little more specific. I think we could match them pretty much up. Now, um, I think there's more of a barrier, and it relates to what someone said when they said people don't want to be judged. So here's the question. People don't want to be appraised. Sometimes it's called performance appraisal, right? So people don't want to be evaluated. Sometimes it's called performance evaluation or performance reviews or performance management. How many people want to be appraised, evaluated, reviewed, managed, insert judged, right? We don't call it performance judgment, but people don't want, we don't want these things, do we? These don't feel very good to us, do they? What do we want? What all of us want. What you want and what the people that you lead want is the chance to develop, grow, and improve, right? Um, so I believe that the first thing we need to do to make performance management work better is to quit calling it performance management or at least quit thinking about it as performance management and call it and think about it as performance development. Again, you may not be able to change it in your organization. I get it, but you can change it in between your ears and you can change it in terms of how you share it and talk about it with your folks. If we think about it as performance development, not performance management, performance review, performance evaluation, performance appraisal, we got a first shot of making it better because we're changing the intention and we're changing the goal, really. Right. Because, see, here's the, uh, the existing underlying belief. If we call it performance management, is that and I'm being I know I'm being a little strong here, but at some level, why are we doing performance management? Because we've got to manage and control this resource called our people. Now, I know I'm I may be a little bit dramatic here, but I don't think it's very far from being true. Why are we doing it? We're doing it because we've got to kind of keep people under our control. But what I believe the belief ought to be is that it is our job and our responsibility as leaders to give people the chance to grow and develop because they can and because we need them to. Right? If you have an organization that's growing or if you have an organization that, that where their important work needs to be done, we want our folks to keep getting better because we need them to, to get the important work of our organization done. I believe when you change this to the belief, you start to change everything about the rest of it. We wanna make performance management really work, the promise that I made in the title, we, I believe we have to think about it like this. And if we think about it like this, we got a much better shot at success. So, so that leads me to make a summary that says that the number one problem we have with performance management is a mindset problem. We got to call it what it really is, which is performance development, not performance management. That's the first thing. That's the first problem we've got. Second problem we've got is what I'm going to call a time horizon problem. What do I mean by a time horizon problem? Well, where do we focus our time and energy in a performance review conversation or meeting? We spend all of our time talking about what happened in the last year, right? Three months, six months, one year. We're talking about what's already happened. This whole conversation in the traditional sense is a history lesson. And you and you tell me how much you can change about the past. Nothing. You can't change anything about the past. So the reason, another reason why this is a problem and why what we need to do to make it work better is we've got to change our time horizon. We've got to quit looking only backward, 
but we got to look forward in terms of what's happening next so that we can help people get better. Because see, here's the thing. If we're doing performance management, even if, even if we got a rock star that's right here, we really would like them to get here, right? And maybe we got a person who's not quite up to snuff and we're trying to get them up to minimum standard. But either way, we're, we're having a conversation about helping people get better, right? It's a time horizon problem. If all we do is talk about the past, you can't change it, it's over. We gotta talk about the future as well. We're gonna talk more about that, I promise, during the course of our time together, okay? So there's two real solutions that we're gonna talk about in the time that we have. In the 50-ish minutes, or 45-ish minutes that we have left, we're gonna talk about two solution areas that can help us. If Once you buy into my two problems and changing your mindset a little bit, then I'm going to talk tactically about two things we can do to make things work better. And one of those is to have better feedback. And the other is to have better meetings. You know, that formal meeting where we bust out the form or we start typing in the form on the computer. Uh, how do we make those meetings better so that they become, they're, so they're not a reveal, as Valerie said. So uh, we're wanting, we're going to talk, these are the two things. If we want to, again, make performance management work better, the two things we're going to focus on for the time we have are better feedback and better meetings. Okay, so so if that's the framework for where we're headed, let's talk about better meetings first. Excuse me, better feedback first. Are you ready? Let's go into it. And when I say the word feedback, I want everyone to put your fingers on the keyboard for a second. Okay, I want you to get ready. Um, I want you to imagine uh, Sarah uh, is here with me. And I just want you to imagine that uh, we all work together. You and I, Sarah, and others all work together. And I just, and I, Sarah's not in the room, but others of us are. We're around the coffee pot or whatever. And I say, man, I need to give Sarah some feedback. I just say that to you. Type now. What's the first thing you're thinking about Sarah? Just type real quick. Well, go ahead and tell me what you're reading. Someone said she messed up, she did something wrong. Um, uh-oh. Uh-oh, SpaghettiO. They're, they're all the same. <laughs> they're all like, Sarah yep. screwed up. Slacker. <laughs> She's in but trouble. The person that I can talk to, right? Yep, Sarah's in trouble. Sarah did something wrong. This is going to be a bad day for Sarah. And by the way, if you didn't type that and you were thinking something else, um, let me ask you this question. If you want, if you want, if you don't believe that that's true, that that's what people's first thought is, then go to someone on your team on a Friday afternoon and tell them you wanna give them feedback on Monday. You just ruined their weekend. Because in our head, even though if you look up the word feedback in the dictionary, it doesn't say everything you just typed about Sarah, the reality is that's our first thought. So the, it's important to remember that what comes to our mind is often, uh-oh, SpaghettiO, right? For those of you that are old enough to remember those commercials. Like what comes to our mind is feedback is there's a problem here. Right. And I, I, I say that not to belittle the value of feedback. It's not my point at all. Most of us would say that there are, in fact, two kinds of feedback. There's what you were thinking about, Sarah. And then there is, the, you know, we either didn't do something so good or we could have done it, could have done it better or someone did something really great. So we would probably say, while negative feedback comes to our mind first, that we would say, yeah, well, there's this thing called positive feedback, too. But what I'm going to tell you is that I don't believe that there are two types of feedback. I believe that there are four types of feedback. And I want to spend some time unpacking the four of them for you. Uh, and then we'll tie it back to performance management, shall we? So let's let's do that. So uh, if we go to this next slide, I'm going to talk about the four types. The first type of feedback is the one you were thinking about, Sarah. And we're going to call that negative feedback. Okay, but what is that actually? If you look at what you typed or what you heard Sarah say, they were all things that some that Sarah did wrong yesterday, last week, last month. Case okay, so the performance review maybe nine and a half months ago, but all of it's something that didn't go so well or could have gone better that's already happened. Negative feedback. So write this down in your notes. Negative feedback is something that was negative about that happened in the past. Right. So then the second thing we've got is we got positive feedback. We all said, well, positive feedback could be our could be the other side of that. Well, so what's positive feedback? Yesterday. 
when Sarah made that phone call, it went really, really well. So it happened yesterday, but it was great. So positive feedback is something that went well, was successful, that's already, was, already happened, right? It happened yesterday, last week, five minutes ago, nine and a half months ago, whatever, but it's already happened. Both of these are a part of the feedback process and both of them are about the past. And I said we were gonna talk about our time horizon problem and here it is. If this is all we do, all we're doing is giving our people a history lesson and that's a problem because you can't change it unless you're Michael J. Fox with a DeLorean, like it's over, over. So what else is there you're thinking? And I'm gonna say, well, there's some more here. So I want you to imagine, like I have a daughter who has recently gone off to college uh, for the her freshman year. So the story I'm gonna tell you about has happened some time back, but bear with me for a second. So we have neighbors who have children about the same age as Kelsey. And it used to be, they have three kids and then there's Kelsey and Kelsey's kind of in the middle of them. And what would happen is they would come over to the house, kids would knock on the door, can Kelsey come out and play? I'm sure mom is trying to get them out of the house, right? Cool. So they knock on the door, can Kelsey come out and play? And I go get Kelsey and she comes down and I say, and what do I say as a good parent before she goes out the door? Kelsey, when you go outside, don't play in the street. I need you to be safe, don't play in the street. Isn't that what most parents would say? And that's what I'm gonna call negative feed forward. It's about the future. It's about what's come, when you go outside, it hasn't happened yet. When you go outside, don't play in the street. Now, here's the problem with don't play in the street. Don't play in the street, don't play in the street, don't play in the street, don't play in the street. If our brains as human beings are not very good at the negative of an idea. If we just tell people what not to do, uh, we, we, we intellectually know what that means, but it's hard to process. I'll give you another example. Don't hesitate to call, which is, which is negative feed forward. It's in the future. Hey, it, don't, don't hesitate to call. Where do we get stuck? We get stuck, don't hesitate. Well, maybe they don't really want us to call at all, right? So what would be a more clean way to say, fingers on keyboards now, but, so to, a more clean way to say don't hesitate to call would be to say what? Feel free to call, call if you need to. So let's go back to Kelsey and Kevin as a bad parent. Um, Kelsey, when you go outside, don't play in the street. What would be a cleaner, more direct, more straightforward way to say it than don't play in the street? Someone type and, uh, or start typing and so you can tell me what you're hearing. If you flip, don't play in the street around, what do you get, anybody? All right, we have Ruby says, please stay in the yard while playing. There uh, you go. Play in the That's all we got to have, right? <laughs> yep, stay in the yard, play in the grass, play in the yard. I mean, everyone's got variations of that, right? Yeah, don't play in the street uh, would be better if we talked about what you want versus what you don't want. Negative feed forward is telling people what you don't want in the future. Positive feed forward is telling people what to do or what would be great to do or what to keep doing in the future, right? So let's talk about this just a little bit more because there's an important point that I wanna make here and I'm gonna go back to my simple example with Kelsey. So if Kelsey listens to me and she hears my words, don't play in the street, and she obeys me, will she be in the street? No. Question, will she be in the yard? Who knows, right? She could be in a tree on the roof of the house. She could be in the neighbor's basement playing Xbox. And if I went to her and said, well, I thought I told you not to play in the street, what would she say? Well, dad, I wasn't in the street. And in my head though, I'm saying, but what I meant was, so here's the point, as a leader, if you've ever had that thought, but what I meant was, then you need to share what you meant. Don't just talk about what you don't want, talk about what you do want. And in fact, everything else being equal, I'd say to you that this is far more powerful than this. Right, far more powerful than that. That positive feed forward, telling people what you want or what you need or what's better or what works is better than what to avoid. Now. One of the reasons I use the example that I used is that there is a time for negative feed forward and place and situations like safety is one of those times. What I'm really saying is that feedback ought to take all four of these forms. 
and uh, if I have to choose, I'm going to make sure that I do more of the last one than the third one. But I need to make sure I'm doing all four. I need to talk about what negative and positive, past and future. That is the key. I need to talk about all of those. Okay, I need to talk about all of those. So I'm going to stop just for a second and Sarah, see if there are any questions that have come in or if anyone's got a comment other than the times I've asked you uh, to comment. Does anyone, have you gotten anything at all, uh, comments or things that we need to talk about? Mm, no uh, questions yet. Um, if anybody has any questions uh, yet, shoot them into the chat box now. Just put them in there and we'll, and we'll uh, address them as we go. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna move on then and uh, Talk about this balance of feedback because there's an important point here that I want to make. I just was talking about the balance here about, I, there, well, there are two balances on this slide. There's past and future, but there's also positive and negative. So what I want to do now is talk specifically about the positive and negative part, okay? So again, fingers on keyboards, get ready to go. So uh, here's the thing. Most of us would agree, and the research would the research would agree with your, your personal experience, which I think we, you would say is this, that we tend to remember negative stuff longer than positive stuff. We tend to remember the, the negative longer than the positive. So my question to you is this, what, sh what should the balance of the feedback that we give be? How much of it should be positive and how much of it should be negative in the form of a ratio? So like if you're thinking, well, it should be about 50-50, then the ratio would be one to one. Right, that's so fingers on keyboards. What's your answer? What should the balance be of positive to negative? Just start typing those in and then we'll we'll hear what you're saying. How much we positive? Have a, how much negative? We have a few five to one, uh ten to one, nine to one, two to one, three to one. Uh any more? Five to one again, five to one again, three to one, two to one. Perfect. That's enough. All right. So we, we're all in some agreement about what that ought to be. So let me tell you what the, what the research tells us about that. So uh, the researchers started uh, with the premise that we tend to remember the negative longer than the positive. So they asked this question. They said, how much positive does it take to overcome or balance out, excuse me, the negative? How much does it take so that they even out? And here's what they found, that it's about three to one. It's called the Losada line. You could Google it. And you, if you Google it, you'll find that there's a lot of people that disagree with the approach that they took to get to the research result. But there's not near as much argument about that result as there is sort of the inside baseball of the research. Uh, so they're saying that, hey, at three to one, we sort of remember both equally. And so I'm calling that the floor. Uh, then they asked a different and equally interesting question. And the question they asked was this. Okay, so if we agree that positive feedback is useful, and if we found that it takes about three to of one to balance them out, here's the question that they asked. How much positive is a good thing? And at what point does another positive not help? And in fact, may even make things worse. In other words, one more positive actually makes things, uh, makes me cocky, makes me overconfident, makes me complacent. And so one more doesn't make things better, may actually make things worse. Here's what the research found. Same researchers. They said 12 to 1. 12 to 1. One more piece of research. Many of you on this call are probably familiar with the Gallup organization and the research that they do on employee engagement. Well, there's a question that they ask with all of their clients around employee engagement when they do their surveys, and the question relates to uh, uh, when you receive when you receive positive appreciation at work. And the research shows, and I don't have the current year's data because I'm not a client, but if you look at past year's data that you can find online, here's what you, and that's been reported in books and other things, is that about 61%, depending on the year, so let me give you the, the research now, 61% of North American workers report that they received no positive appreciation at work in the last year. Let me say that again. 61% of North American workers report that they received no positive appreciation at work in the last year. To me, that's an incredibly sad state of affairs. And if you're sitting there thinking, 
Um, if you're sitting there thinking, well, Kevin, that can't possibly be right. People are uh, got to be getting some. I would simply say it's self-reported. People at, were asked the question and they said, I didn't get any, which means if they got it, they didn't remember it. And if they didn't remember it, it didn't really make much difference, did it? I can also tell you that I've been in organizations that shared that exact piece of data that I just shared with you. And I've had people in the room say, well, that's about right here. 61%. So I'm giving you three numbers, three to one, 12 to one, and 61%. I tend to believe that the numbers that you guys reported, two to one, three to one, five to one, nine to one, 10 to one, I, I tend to think those are the right sorts of numbers. I tend to think that the three to one to 12 to one range is probably about right. But given the Gallup research, how about we just get above one to one? Like if you would get above one to one, you'd probably be ahead of most people. Now, there's something else here that I need to talk about a little bit uh, because it's, it's important that you may be thinking, even though, you know, you're not saying it, but you may be thinking it. Because, again, I've had lots of people tell me this. Kevin, I get this two to one, three to one, whatever stuff. But you know what? You don't got the person I got. I got this person on my team, and there ain't no way. Like, there isn't no any way that um, she or he is doing anything right. So if they're not doing anything right, how can I give them three to one? Well, a couple of points that I want to make about this, right? Um, number one is that I am not saying and I'm not suggesting that you should get to three to one by including a bunch of fluff on the positive side. I'm not saying that. I believe that all the feedback that you give ought to be meaningful and specific and about things that matter and it should be and it should all be like that, which means that if we're three to one, then the positive should be the same, of the same meaning and of, with the same specificity as the negatives. And so these people that are saying, I got this person, Kevin, they got, they're not doing anything right. To which I would say, if they're really not doing anything right, why are they still here? The reality is even the really poor performer is doing part of their job right, part of their job well, and if they're not, why are they already still here? The reality is that even the poorest performers are doing 70 right, 30, 70% right, 30% wrong, 80-20, 90-10. Now, admittedly, that 10% might be the most important part of the work. I'm not doubting that. The question is, are they doing it all wrong? If they're doing it all wrong, then uh, maybe you don't have a positive ratio, but I don't really think that's the problem. And I don't want to miss to be misunderstood or to be misinterpreted as to say, well, Kevin's saying you got to give some fluff to make people feel better. This is not about anything like that at all. And you also may be saying, but Kevin, well, that, I never got that. Like I plowed through and I got to a leadership role and I never got all that stuff. And I, to which I would say, well, maybe you'd have gotten there sooner. Maybe you'd have gotten there with less stress. Maybe you'd have been more confident if you had gotten some of that along the way. Just because you didn't doesn't mean it can't be or shouldn't be done. So how does all of this apply to the performance review? Well, I think it applies in several ways. Number one is what is the balance? What is the balance of positive and negative? And what is the balance of past and future? If all we're talking about is the past, then they don't really know where to go next. There's context, but there's no next step. What is the balance negative and positive we've just been talking about? I'm, in challenge, I'm challenging you to think about these questions for yourself in the performance reviews that you deliver or that you're coaching others in your organization to deliver. Next is when are people hearing about the feedback? Val said it doesn't feel like a re review, it feels like a reveal. Like if people aren't hearing about it until the time of the review and it happened six months ago, nine months ago, 10 months ago, or even four weeks ago, then, and now I'm just, just being sprung on me, here's the big thing. If you told, if I did something ineffectively 10 months ago, 
and you didn't tell me about it then, guess what I've probably been doing for the last nine months? The same thing. And what's happened? Not only have I assumed, maybe even subconsciously, that it was okay because no one told me, no one corrected me. Now I have a habit of doing it that way. And let's say that I did something really awesome 10 months ago. If I didn't get that feedback, I might not have the right perspective to judge whether that was really awesome or if it was awesome enough or if anyone noticed or if it mattered or I should keep doing it that way. So we got to be just, we got to be giving people feedback in a more timely manner. We can't wait for the review. Um, so when are people hearing about the feedback is a super important point. Let me just make, say something about that word, timely. Because I don't believe timely has to be immediate. Uh, my Here's my definition of timeliness as it relates to feedback. My definition is soon enough that I received the feedback soon enough for it to make a difference next time. So if I'm on the phone taking customer service calls all day long, you I need to get that feedback on the on the uh, call that you monitored or the call that was recorded that you listened to as soon as possible so that I can make adjustments or so that I can keep doing something great. If it's on a report that I create once a month, you don't have to come to me the minute you see the report, but you got to come to me and give me feedback soon enough before I start creating the report for next month. So when are people hearing the feedback? And lastly, what are you looking for? And maybe I should have flipped these bullets around as it relates to our points back up on the previous slide. When we're back here, right, the question might be, what are you looking for? So a number of years ago, I live in Indianapolis, Indiana. That's I'm in my office right now in Indianapolis. And um, excuse me. And a number of years ago, quite a long number of years ago, uh, my family, we decided to go to see my sister outside of Washington, D.C. at Christmas time, and we decided to drive. This is about a nine-hour drive. So I'm going to give you a picture of the car on this particular day. Uh, I'm in the front seat. My wife, Lori, is over here to the side. Behind me is my son, Parker, who at the time was about 10. And if Parker was about 10, that means Kelsey was about four. Like I said, it was a long time ago. But it's an important story. So I'm driving along, and, and we've got about a nine-hour drive, and I'm about eight hours into the drive. And I'm there, uh, there's a bunch of traffic around me. I'm on a road I'm not familiar with, and I'm uh, I'm like 10 and 2. I'm paying attention to the road. When without me, almost without me even noticing, my son's fist comes up and hits me on the shoulder really hard. And he says, slug bug black, no tag backs. Now, I don't know about the rules in your house, but the rules in my house do not include hitting, especially by the son of the father. And especially when I have no idea what he's even talking about. So I was surprised and I was not happy when he hit me on the shoulder. And then he said, slug bug black, no tag backs. I had no idea what he was saying. So I said, Park, what are you talking about? He says, you know, dad. Slug bug. And I'm like, no, Parker, I don't know. At this moment, all three of them in the car, including my wife, who I thought would be on my side, they're all laughing at me. And they're laughing at me because I apparently am clueless. And then Kelsey, little four-year-old Kelsey says, uh, Dad, everybody knows the slug bug game. I'm like, apparently I don't. If you don't either, here's the game. Parker saw a black Volkswagen Beetle, sometimes called a bug. And so he sees it first, so he gets to say the word, slug bug, insert color, slug bug black, no tag backs, hits me. It's a legal way to hit people in a car. It's a way to say, I saw the car before you, so I get to hit you, and you can't hit me back. Slug bug black, no tag backs. So after I sort of calmed down, they had explained the game to me, I calmed down a little bit. Um, so I've got a bruised ego and a bruised shoulder, and I said, okay, guys, and now I understand the game. I think we should play the game. They all get excited. I said, but we're not going to do any hitting. And the kids are like, why not? I said, because if I'm going to play and I'm going to play, I can't turn around and hit you. So we'll play the game and we'll keep score, but we won't do any hitting. And they didn't love that, but they said, okay. We've been driving eight and a half hours. I've seen no Volkswagens at all. In the next 10 minutes, I saw three Volkswagens. Question, were those the first Volkswagens? I mean, along with the one Parker saw, are these the first Volkswagens of the trip? Highly unlikely, isn't it? Highly unlikely. Um, here's the point. 
why did I start to notice them? Because I started to see them. Why did I start to see them? Well, we had this thing in our brain called the reticular activating system, which allows us to see uh, consciously, to filter through the things that we're noticing subconsciously, which is everything, to slide through to our conscious the things that are important to us. The things that are important make it through the filter. And so suddenly, Volkswagen Beetles are important to me, so they make it through the filter, and I start noticing them. You've had this experience. You bought a car. You drove it off the lot, and it was everywhere. Your car's everywhere. You didn't even, you've never seen that color until now, and now they're everywhere. The reticular activating system, get this, allows you to see what you're looking for. If you buy my idea that we need to give more positive feedback, then you've got to look for what people are doing well, not just what they're doing wrong. Chances are you're not going to miss the stuff they're doing wrong. This isn't about denial of the negative. It's about noticing the positive. It's about noticing the positive. Okay. So how does this apply? Well, you get the balance right of past and future and positive and negative and get the timeliness down so you're not just doing it way, way later. And lastly, think about what you're paying attention to because what you're paying attention to is the stuff that's going to show up in the review. So if you think about those things, you're already going to make your performance reviews better. And can you already see how if you do what I've already said, those meetings are going to be more effective and some of the concerns and challenges that you mentioned earlier will go away. I hope you see it because it's right there in front of us. If you got questions about it, ask me. So here's a reminder. If, it's, if this is really about the other person's growth and development and success, it's not about a form or a process. And yet when we have our meetings, we typically make the meetings about what? The form or the process. So again, if you buy my idea right off the top that it should be about performance development, not performance management, then uh, it's, it's not about the form, it's not about the process, which means we can't make the meeting about those things either. So let's talk about the meeting itself. I, I had a client, or I have a client actually, but uh, this particular um, situation happened several years ago. I had been asked by the client to help them. Uh, they, they were changing their form and they were changing their process and they wanted to use that as a way to sort of renew people's thinking about how to do a better job of having performance conversations, performance reviews, and the meetings. And the CEO got up in front of a group that I was going to lead and opened the day and he said, I want you all to stop and think for a second about your best day at work ever. And people sort of thought about it and there was a lot of smiling and and that and then he said now raise your hand if that day was the day of your performance review and no one raised their hand of course no one thinks that their best day at work is being their performance review but if it was really about development and growth then maybe we could get to the place where it could be on that list if we get rid of the judgment and we get rid of the challenges that you guys talked about earlier then perhaps we can get there so how can we do that First thing is the, the meeting needs to be a conversation. Whose performance are we talking about? If, if Sarah, if I work for Sarah, right, and Sarah's giving me my review question, who are we reviewing? Well, me, of course. We're reviewing Kevin, right? And so, and, and, if, and if I'm going to do anything with what she shares, I have to own the commentary, right? Like I have to believe it and buy it and and want it to do something about it. So I need to, it's my behavior, my results, and it's my possible change. And yet too many of the meetings end up being one way talking to me, not with me. A performance review meeting, a performance management meeting, a performance development meeting should be a conversation so sarah should start by so so a couple things first of all very specifically to the performance review meeting if your organization's process encourages the employee to fill out the form too then by all means you ought to do that because not not only is the process but it's valuable if your organization does not suggest that. I'm suggesting you do it anyway. Because here's the thing. Sarah's going to have this meeting with me. I need to own it. I need to be involved in it. It needs to be mine. 
I got to be prepared for this meeting. This isn't just Sarah being prepared. Here's what happens. Sarah gets prepared. I show up. She starts talking. And she also, there's a power differential because she's the boss. And this is the performance review. So I sit back here like this. She does all the talking. It sort of waves over me. And no wonder they don't work. No wonder they don't work. But if Sarah says, Kevin, I need you to come to this to this meeting where, that we're going to have about your performance, and I want you to be prepared for it. And then when we get there, the first thing Sarah says to me is, so Kevin, what are you thinking? Or so Kevin, what are what are what were some of the key things that you put on the review? Or however she wants to start. But in other words, she needs to get me talking first. We are not going to create a conversation in a boss employee relationship if the boss talks first and then says, what else do you have to add? There's not going to be much conversation. And anything that the employee says then is either going to be totally, if they say anything, it's going to likely be very defensive or very emotional. As opposed to, let's talk about the performance. Let's talk about the behavior. Let's talk about the results and let's have a conversation about it. If you want to make your meetings better, start asking questions. Do you need to come prepared? Of course you do. Have the other person come prepared too and then have them go first. Really start to create a conversation. Second, remove the anxiety and fear. You, How do you remove the anxiety and fear? Well, you remove the surprises, right? It's not a big reveal. How do you remove the anxiety and fear? Well, if you're talking to people all year about their performance, there won't be any surprises, so there's less to be fearful of. Excuse me, if you truly make it a conversation, if you believe that that's what you're going to do, and then that's what you do, there's an immediate sigh, and some of the tension and some of the anxiety goes out of the room. Now, I'm not suggesting that you can get rid of all of the anxiety and fear the very first time you do this. But you can get rid of a bunch of it early on, and you get rid of a lot more as time goes on, as people see that this is really how we're going to do this. Uh, you can, it can make a big, big difference. Most of the training that I've experienced as a leader in the past and much of the training I've seen that was created that I've had the chance to get feedback on as a consultant uh, gives people lots of gives gives leaders lots of skills about how to be specific about feedback and that sort of stuff, which is awesome. But it doesn't talk about making it a conversation and removing the fear. If you do those two things, you got a better meeting. And then, and then lastly, uh, make it both past and future focused. So we got to talk about what's already happened, of course, but we got to do that in the context of now what. So what happened, and now what are we going to do next time? Or given where we are, what are the next steps? So what I'm suggesting is, you may say, well, Kevin, that's goal setting. That isn't hooked to here for us. I'm saying hook them. Hook them together. Because fundamentally, that's what you need to do if you want to make these meetings more effective and to start to create performance development rather than just performance management. Okay? so. Next slide. The next slide talks about the overall process. So we've talked about the meeting, and we've talked about the feedback within the meeting. So what about the overall process? Um, number one, make it ongoing. So that's easy to say. I know you're saying, well, Kevin, okay, that makes sense. Make it ongoing. What do I mean by that? Well, what I'm suggesting is that your performance management, performance development conversations ought to be happening all year long. That probably means some formal conversations. And by formal, I don't mean stiff. I just mean intentional sit-downs. A lot of times you might just call them have, when you have a one-on-one, -on -one, when you have a face-to-face -face with someone. I'm suggesting anytime you're doing that about a project or about whatever, that there's a little bit of a conversation in there about how it's going in the bigger picture. That why not every time you have a one-on-one -on -one, or most of the times that you have a one-on-one -on -one, that you talk about the performance piece a little bit. I'm also suggesting there's no reason that you can't be having an ongoing conversation informally too. You see someone in the hallway and you say, so how's it going on that project? And you get an update and you say, you know, I, I really appreciate how you did this. 
or I really value how you're handling that. Or maybe we need to refocus a little bit here. And so you're giving some coaching, but you're making it in a natural sort of way so that over time there's conversations related to performance that are going on. Now, I happen to lead a team that is largely remote. Specifically, I lead a remote, uh, a hybrid team where some folks are here in the office and many of my team are not. And if you are in that situation or if you're in an organization where that's true, um, it's a little harder to do this. You gotta be a little harder, be a little more intentional if your folks aren't down the hall, right? You are on the shop floor or down the way or even in the next building. Um, you, you're gonna have to be a little more intentional, but it doesn't mean you can't do this. You certainly can, you absolutely can. Make it ongoing, formally and informally, so that when we get to the big end of the year thing, it's not like da, 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 the big meeting. It's just the next step in our ongoing process. It happens to be the time we fill out a form. See, here's the thing. If you really make it ongoing all throughout the year, I want you to think about this for a second. If you really make it ongoing all throughout the year and you get to the performance review, well, let's just do it this way. Let's say that you want someone performing at, at, at a 90% on whatever the measurement is, that the minimum standard is 90%. And at the start of the year, they're performing at 79%. So there's a gap. So during the course of the year, you need them to move from 79 to 90, okay? If during the course of that year, because of the ongoing coaching and the ongoing conversations you're having, they're able to get to 90, then that should be a pretty darn easy and enjoyable performance review. But even if the person only got to 88, didn't quite get to the performance level, made a lot of progress, did a lot of things along the way to get to that new number, doesn't there, isn't that still a more, uh, an easier meeting, an easier conversation to have? There's balance there. Hey, we're still not to 90. We got to get there. Look at the progress that we've made. I, I, I really can't see a scenario where these meetings can't have a positive component, even if people still have room to go. And I'm not saying that we downplay the fact, hey, you gotta get to 90, you're only 88. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, if that's the only thing you talk about, you're missing part of the picture. Where's the progress been? How much closer are they? Acknowledge that and say, we're still not there, but look how far we've come. And know, knowing how far we've come, should be easier for us to figure out how to get over the top in the next time period, okay? So if we make the overall focus about ongoing improvement, it'll be better. And recognize that the form is an output, not the reason we're doing this. Now, I was kind of hard on you at the beginning when I said, listen, don't complain, just go out and make it better within your sphere of influence, which I completely agree is true and is my 100% advice to you. But now that we're nearing the end and you see this set of stuff, you, you gotta say, well, I can do all that stuff regardless of my form. I still may not love the rating system. I may have to put a rating on there at the end, but if I do all the rest of this stuff, isn't the rating a whole lot more palatable and probably more understood? Yes, every time, maybe not. Better, for sure. Easier, without a doubt. Less stress for you and the other person, almost assuredly. The form is an output, not the focus, not the reason. We're not doing this to satisfy HR. Uh, all due respect to all the HR people on the call. We're doing this to help someone get better, to know where they stand and how to get better in their role. And if we keep that in mind and we make that what we're doing and we do the other stuff on this page, we got a chance to have this really begin to work. Again, what I promised, making performance management really work. Now, we are almost done. Uh, I know that this is a big topic and I wanted to make sure we had plenty of time for questions before we're done. So I'm gonna go there now and say, what questions do you have? And I hope you've been typing them in and, and we, we, we've confirmed that Sarah can see them. So, um, <laughs> so, so at this point, do you have any, Sarah? Yep, I do have a few questions, um, but right now, just attendees, uh, we do have about 10 minutes, so go ahead, uh, type those into that chat box. And Kevin, if you would mind just advancing to the next slide. I'm happy to advance to the next slide. <laughs> Why, thank you. 
And what you're seeing now is the foundation of what this webinar was about, Remarkable Performance Development. And we're actually offering a 25% discount off of it uh, for everybody who attended today. So just go over to hrdqstore.com for more information. And then there's just that coupon code that you have to enter at checkout to honor that discount. So we do have a few questions coming in, and it looks like the first one is coming from John. Well, before you before you ask, ask mm -hmm. the question, I want to say one more thing about this product. I'm super proud of having the chance to build this with you all at HRDQ. And and I, I will just say this to everybody in full disclosure, um, that if you liked the approach that we took today, uh, and if you liked my voice ab about it, then you'll love this product because not only does the product have all the stuff it says there in the bullet points, but it, it but the the facilitators the facilitator is aided by some short video snippets of me. So if 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 you think that I resonated, then that's going to be one more reason that you want to take a look at this product. So now now that's all I got to say about it. <laughs> question away. Of course, of course. All right. First, it, oh, but, but that also means, by the way, that also means by the way, if you didn't like me, then you probably don't want to buy the product. Okay, go ahead. Oh no. <laughs> I don't think that's possible. Okay, let's see. First question is coming from Cynthia. How can this process be applied to encouraging improved performance when working with volunteers? Well, that's a great point. You know, I think that you could you could you can think about pretty much everything we said until the meeting. Like certainly all of the feedback stuff 100% applies. I don't care. I mean, it applies with your children, it applies with your coworkers, it applies with anybody in that 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 you know how can i give people specific and meaningful feedback that's balanced that's timely um that's talking about not only what's already happened but what we do next time so i think all that stuff applies uh, i think from the volunteer scenario i think then it depends do you, do you have a system where you're actually doing reviews i'm guessing you probably i've not seen that very often excuse me so my point would be this that you can still have uh, ongoing conversation and dialogue, you can have all that stuff can still happen. So here's the thing, uh, I'll just say this. When I'm working in for-profit organizations, everyone says, man, I just wish that I had people that, you know, they're only here for the money. Well, if you got volunteers, they're not there for the money, right? So the, everyone thinks the grass is greener on the other side. So you're sometimes the, the people in the not-for-profit or the people with the, the volunteers say, well, I can't really do this because they don't really work for me. And then people on the other side say, well, I can't really do this because if I can't give them more money, they're not interested. Here's the thing. People want to do good work. And if people have volunteered, they're invested. So you just need to help them see what the expectation is and then help coach them so they're meeting or exceeding that expectation. So it's probably a whole webinar there, but there's my short answer. What's next? All right, wonderful. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Next question is coming from Tina. I have to confront an employee regarding an incident report about her behavior. Where do I even begin? Um, I would, I would probably, I was, certainly Tina. We don't know what the situation is exactly. I would probably start with the word confront. The minute that you say that it's, you've got to confront it. What is that? What is that doing in your head? And how is that probably going to frame the way you start the conversation with the other person? It's probably going to mean they're going to go like this and they're going to get defensive and then it's going to go downhill from there. So I think about what is the behavior or the situation. And I talk about how I think about how is that different from the what's expected or what's appropriate. And then I'd say, so here's the situation that I observed. And again, and now I'm going to say I'm trying to have a conversation. So here's what happened or here's what was I was told or here's what I observed. And so can we talk through what you were thinking or can we talk through what your approach, why you took that approach, something like that as a way to start to create a conversation about what actually happened. The minute that we start with, I got to confront this, do you see how that's, how that's creating the chance for it to be, uh, to create defensiveness? Uh, and resistance before we even start. I realize it may be about something difficult and delicate. I'm not trying to downplay that, but I am encouraging you to think about how are you thinking about it and, and, and think about how can I engage them in a conversation about it as opposed to saying, listen, you, you shouldn't have done that, <laughs> right? If we move in that direction, then it's probably not gonna work anyway. So what else we got? All right, thank you, Kevin. Uh, let's see, moving on. Next question is coming from Michael. Uh, can you talk about giving feedback and feed forward to peers and equals? Yeah, so um, 
here's the thing. People are people. The, the, the thing is, as the supervisor, people may not love getting feedback from you, but they sort of expect it. It's part of the contract, if you will, right? So if you want to give feed, if you have feedback you want to give to your peers, I think you want to try to get some clear expectation. And, and, and I think it's, you know, I often say, to to a, I would say to a peer would invite invite you to say to a peer say hey I'd really love to give you some feedback is that something you'd be open to do and if they say no then I think you sort of have to let it go right but here's the thing if they understand your intention if there's a level of trust in my experience they're likely to say sure um, and so. That's what I would do. Uh, and again, make again make it a conversation, not like let me tell you three things that you did yesterday that I think you need to fix, right? So I don't think there's anything that's different about it really uh, in terms of giving feedback to peers or giving feedback upwards, except that it might not be sort of a part of the implied relationship. So you need to create a new uh, that Im implication, but more importantly. If they understand that your intention is honorable and your intention is pure and their your intention is in their best interest to help them get better, they will be you're much more likely to meet with uh, more openness to it. All right, great, thank you. And it looks like we probably only have time for one more question, and this question is coming from Fassel, and he asks, in an organization where force ranking is done and you have to give a certain amount of C graders. How will this process go if I want to keep um, my members performing better and also to keep them motivated? It's a great question. Um, and uh, I, I know that there are a lot of places that force ranking, we got to go, we got someone's got to be number one and someone's got, we got a bell curve and all that stuff. I get all of that. And there, the, the value of that is that if I get, well, couple of things a couple of things um, the value of that is that if I get ranked lower than I wanted to be that if I'm a, if I have any amount of competitiveness in me that can be that can can be a positive driver first of all second thing is that I think you want to focus on the rest of it about what the feedback actually is about where they're actually at listen if they're at 99% of performance level and they're not you know but there's a bunch of people up at 107 well then it is what it is you know you want to be a higher score then you got to get to 107 you got to get to 111 whatever that is um so i think there's some amount of this is the way the world is and the third thing is this that lots of people have ranking systems that have five pieces right they have like the extraordinary and the exemplary and then the performing meets meets you know here's the classic one meets expectations and people want to do what you what Fassel said, which is that's a C. Well, if they're meeting the expectation, that's not. We, when we think of C's in school, like people aren't really performing. But if you if you really listen to the words meeting the job expectations, then they're successfully doing the job. I don't think so. Part of what I'm saying is, yeah, they may be in the middle of the pack. It doesn't necessarily mean they're a C. It just means they're in the middle of the pack, and there's some people doing better. Now the question is, how can I move myself up that list? So try to get people to quit thinking about it, labeling it as a C, especially if they really truly are meeting the job expectations. That's true, and the fact is there's some people that are doing better than you. What can I do to help you move up the stack next year? There's my answer. And I know we're almost out of time, so there you go. All right, wonderful, thank you. Uh, those were some uh, great questions. Um, I am gonna go through the chat log. If we do have any unanswered questions, I'll send those over to Kevin and then uh, he'll answer those. And then we'll probably get those out uh, to you about like mid next week. So Kevin, we'd just like to add any final thoughts before I wrap up? Well, yeah, I would say this, uh, now what? The question is now what? So you've been with us with, with us for 58 minutes and the question is, so what are you gonna do with this? So. Even if you say, well, I, you know, we don't have any performance reviews for another nine months or, or whatever, you can still take action. You can give someone some feedback today, this afternoon, tomorrow. What action are you going to take on this? If this was interesting, fine. But what are you going to do? That would be my challenge to you. And uh, here's some ways to connect with us. You've gotten the chance to uh, see how you can get some more materials. Here's how you can connect with us. If there's any way I can be of help, please let us know. And Sarah, thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure to be with you.
All right, Kevin, thank you so much again. And everybody on the line, we appreciate your time and we hope you found today's webinar informative. Thanks. Bye.